Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and reading from verse 1. How's everybody doing? That's good. So good to be in church and so good to be able to worship the Lord together. Second Chronicles chapter 7, and I'm reading from verse 1. The Bible says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. Wouldn't that be nice? One Sunday morning, you just finish praying and then fire comes down from heaven. I don't mind if it comes on some people, but not all of us. You know what I mean? Can I hear an Amen. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Priests couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good, His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather as the church. And Father, we know that it's not so much more information we need, but we just need a revelation of your word. Father, we read a passage like we've read today, Lord God, and our hearts are stirred and moved. We want to believe that that could happen even in our time and in our day. So speak to us as a congregation today. Those that are here in the service, those watching online, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, that you would, you would speak to us. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, even as I share. Let the glory of the Lord fill this place. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Let, let there be a, a desire to hear a word from you above all else that will transform and change us today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to begin a new series entitled, His Glory Appears. His Glory Appears. Just give me a little bit more file back. Uh, Um, As you know, at the beginning of every year, we begin a time, uh, prayer and fasting, as uh, Chris has already said. Thanks. Uh, And this year is no exception. If there's ever a time, I believe, where we need to pray, and really seek God, it's the times we're living in right now where there's so much uncertainty around and more than ever we need to just connect with God and, and, uh, and seek after God. And so I want to encourage you uh, over the next seven days uh, to, uh, to connect with what we're doing as a church, to fast in, in some way. And there are so many different ways you can fast. You can do a full fast, which is, you know, drinking water only, no food. Um, you can, uh, you know, f- just fast certain things or fast some meals or do a Daniel fast where it's really 
just about fruit and vegetables and, and water. Uh, whatever way, it's, it's putting aside some time to seek after God. Do the devotions that are going to be online. Uh, pray for the various needs that are in the brochure. And also be part of those prayer meetings and connect online um, on those prayer meetings for Tuesday, Wednesday and, and Thursday night. And let's come together and pray and seek the face of God. Paul says to the Romans, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. How true that is. That, that, that Paul, in this particular passage, we looked at it last week, he's not speaking about night and day and he's not, he's not speaking about you know, time as in the clock time. He's speaking about a spiritual principle that is saying it's getting close to the Lord's return. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let's focus on Christ and let's, let's align our lives with the principles of God's word. Last week I said that I want us to pray that God would awaken us and revive us. It's really a prayer for the church. It's really a prayer that God would, would, would enable us to, to get a revelation of the kingdom of God, that he would awaken us. And I also want us to pray that we would experience the presence of God and the power of God and the glory of God in our midst uh, one of the benefits of being a little older is uh, I've seen the church evolve over many years, been involved with the church. Uh, well, I, I was born uh, in the context of the church, so I've been, been here for a few years and it's just good, good to, it's been good to see the church kind of change over the years. Uh, and not just our church, but churches in general. 40 years ago, uh, church was interesting. Uh, it was different, that's for sure. Uh, we used to have vinyl seats in this church. Actually, a lot of churches used to have vinyl, vinyl pews. We had this beautiful green colour. It's going to come in again soon, so we'll probably get them back in, those pews. Um, uh, just beautiful vinyl seats that were handmade um, by, by some of the people in the church. We used to have overhead projectors, none of this stuff here. We had the good old overhead projector, someone would be at the front and, you know, they'd put that. I used to do that job. Man, that was... That was and we used to, used to put the overheads on and uh, none of this graphic design stuff. We used to have clip-up clip up books, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, all you had was a photocopier and clip-up books. Uh, there was version one, two, three, four. You know, you haven't been a real, you're not a real graphic designer until all you've got is a clip-up book and a photocopier. Come on. Come on, that's, that's, where you're, that's where the real graphic designers are, you know, are made and so on. And music was, was great. It was great music, great songs, but, but music's gone just to, a, to, a, to another level. And over the years, we've understood the importance of excellence. There's been a revelation in the church about the importance of an excellent spirit. And, and, and we've understood the power that God is a, a God of excellence. Can I hear an amen? Uh, he's a God of excellence. He doesn't, he's, not, he's not a slapdash kind of God. When he made you, he, he, he made you perfectly. And I know you don't think, you, you might not think you're perfect, but, but God has made us perfectly. He's not, a, he's not a slapdash kind of God. And now the church is a, is a joy to walk into, the ambience, the music, the style, everything is it's just great. It's great to be part of the, the modern church. But here's my concern. Here's my concern. My concern is that in the modern church, excellence has become almost like an idol or can become an idol where we believe that if things are done really well, then God will show up. And if they're not done really well, then God won't show up. <laughs> and that simply isn't true. Where we can get so focused on doing everything with, a, with, with excellence where we think that excellence is the be-all and end-all. We want to make sure that, that everything is great. And I, and, I, and I want that. That's part of my heart and my spirit. 
But we've got to be careful that we don't put a, we, we don't, we don't, we, excellence doesn't become an idol where we think that if we do things excellent, then, then, then God is going to show up. Best definition of excellence is not being the best, it's doing the best with what you have. And I like that. I like that definition about excellence. It's not, it's not being the best. It's doing the best with what you have. In other words, a musician, we had great musicians in this church, great singers. I thank God for the team that we have. But someone can play their instrument and kind of, oh, we'll just, I'll, just, I'll just wing it on Sunday morning. That's not an excellent spirit. You might not be the best musician that you possibly can be. But hey, when you, when you play, play with an excellent spirit. I'm going to put everything that I can into it. That's, that's my view of excellence. And excellence is one of our core values. And I, I, I love seeing things done with an excellent spirit, whether it's in church or outside of church. You go to a, you go to a restaurant sometimes and, and you can see that there's a lot of thought gone into doing things with an excellent spirit. And I never want us to, to be a slapdash church, but please understand, excellence can never be a substitute for the glory of God. Excellence can never be a substitute for the presence of God. Just because we do things perfectly and we do things with an ex and everything looks amazing and everything looks great. How many people know everything can look great and God cannot show up? What we need above all else is the glory of God and the presence of God. I, I, I believe I want to I do everything with an excellent spirit and we want the glory of God and we want the presence of God. I believe what the, more than ever what the church needs today is not more gimmicks or entertainment or singing or better, better singing or preaching or prayer because what the church needs is the glory of God to be present every single time we meet. That's what we need. That's actually what brings us back week in and week out. Yes, the worship is great and, and the ambience is great and the coffee is great and everything is great about the church. But ultimately what brings us back is the glory of God. It's the presence of God. It's believing that God could speak to us in the midst of a worship, in the midst of, of, of a preaching. We believe that God could speak. And that's what brings us back again and again. Isaiah said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears upon you. There's something we need and something we desire in, in this church. It's the glory of God. It's the presence of God. And I believe God wants to come with His glory amongst His people. In the midst of darkness, uh, there's nothing greater for the church than to experience the glory and the presence of God. See, darkness is all around you, but His glory appears over you, appears over the church. His glory is not going to appear out there anywhere. His glory is going to appear amongst the people of God. Moses said, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us, Lord God? Unless you come with us, unless we experience your presence and your glory, how's anyone going to know that, 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 that we, are, we are different? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth except your presence, Lord? It's what makes the church different from every other organization in, in, in the world. It's the presence of God. It's the glory of God, nothing else. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. I just love that verse. And Moses said, now show me your glory. I believe more than ever that God wants to show his glory. But he's waiting for a people to ask. 
If Moses didn't ask, he would never have seen the glory of God. But because he asked, God appears to him in a powerful way. And all this kind of leads me to ask a couple of questions. Why do we need the glory of God? And how can we experience more of God's glory amongst us? There are, some, there are, there are not too many things that make me nervous about church. There's one or two things. I'm not nervous if uh, sound doesn't quite go right or the songs are not on, on, on cue and uh, air conditioner is a bit too cold or whatever. Those things don't make me nervous. What makes me nervous is when I come to church and I don't sense the presence of God. That troubles me, immediately troubles me. I start, I start going back and during the week, I'm, in, I'm, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, what's happened? Where, where did we get it wrong? What, 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 have we weird off in the wrong direction, Lord God? Are we trying to do this in our own strength, Lord God? Are we missing something, Lord God? Have we sinned in some way, Lord God? The only thing that makes me nervous about church is when I don't sense the presence of God. If we have the presence of God, the rest, we're going to do the very best that we possibly can. Because I know it's the glory of God that makes the difference in people's lives. The passage of scripture that's caught my attention is the passage we read in our text. Solomon has built the temple and this is, a, this is an amazing temple. He brings the furnishings into the temple, the Ark of the Covenant. The people are there gathered and there's a lot of rejoicing and worshipping. And then when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When, when Solomon finished, look at the connection between prayer and the glory of God. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. As I said, I'm looking forward to a time when we can, we can enter into a service and because the glory of God and the presence of God is so strong, we don't, we don't even have to preach because, because there's just such a strong move of God's glory amongst us. Now, we know that God doesn't dwell in bricks and mortar and gyprock and studs. That was funny, by the way. Um, but we, <laughs> we know that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to pray, fill our hearts with your glory. When it talks about, and the, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If the glory of the Lord is going to fill this temple, if we want to use the church as, a, as an example of the, of the temple, he first has to fill this temple with the glory of God. And we, we want to pray, fill this temple with the glory of God. And then fill this place, this place that bears your name, let it be filled with your glory and with your presence. So a couple of questions. Why is it important for us to seek after the glory of God? Well, the first reason why we need the glory of God is because God wants to dwell with his people. In Exodus 25, God told the people of Israel, bring materials to build a sanctuary. And not only does he tell them how to build it, he tells them why he wants them to build the tabernacle. He said to the people of Israel, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them and there I will meet with you and there I will speak with you. The reason why God wanted them to build the tabernacle was so that he could dwell among them. It's the desire of God. It still amazes me that the God who created the heavens and the earth wants to be with his people. That the God who created the heavens and the earth wants to, be, wants to spend time with people like you and me. 
And I believe more than ever that God is wanting to dwell among us, meet with us and speak with us, both individually and corporately. If, if there's anything that God wants to do more than anything else, uh, he, wa- he wants to be able to meet with us and, and He wants to be able to speak to us. Nothing greater than having an encounter with God. A lot of people come to church and have an experience. But an experience can move your emotions, make you feel good, uh, but it's not going to change you. Pretty soon, as soon as you walk out of the building, you're going to go back to your same old life and same old, same old. What people need more than ever is an encounter with the living God. And that's what happens when we experience the glory of God. That's what happens when we experience the presence of God. When we experience the glory of God, we can come into church one way and, and, and you know, just go through the worship and, and hear the word, but, but then something happens. God speaks to us, whether it's through the preaching or through music or through some individual that's in the church at the time and, and, and something changes, something shifts in our hearts and lives. Something powerful about the glory of God. There's something powerful about the presence of God. Man, we need the glory of God amongst us. We need the presence of God amongst us. There's salvation in His presence. There's power in His presence. There's joy, there's healing, there's peace, there's restoration, there's wisdom in His presence. How we need the wisdom of God. And, and often as we're, as we're in, in the context of church, we can, we, can, we can get a word of wisdom to help us navigate certain situations in our lives. Now, I know that this is a theme that we talk about here at church, but, but I want to keep on talking about this theme because I, I, I never want to take the presence of God for granted. I, I never want us to get used to church and not experience the presence of God. That's why David says, I long to dwell in your, in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. I long to dwell in your tent forever. I long to be where you are, O oh God. Psalm 84, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I want to dwell in your presence. Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. One one thing, one thing I ask of the Lord. Just one thing. I want one thing. What is it? I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. You've heard me say many times, people often ask, what's my purpose in life, Pastor? I just need to know what my purpose in life is. You know, I want to know what, what God, why God created me. And it's a good question, by the way. Good question to be asking God. Great question. You know, I want to know why I'm here and, and what's the purpose of my life. The primary purpose that all of us have is to know God intimately, is to dwell in the house of the Lord and to, and to seek Him in His temple. It's to develop, develop intimacy with God. It's to know God in, in, a, in, in, a, in a close and intimate way. That's the purpose that we all have. And it's out of knowing God, out of having a, a deep relationship with God, that everything else comes out of. It's, it's out of that relationship with God that God begins to speak about the things He wants to do in our lives, the, the changes that need to be made in our hearts and in our, in our lives. And then He begins to speak to us about, about what He wants to do in our life in the future. Jesus spent a lot of His time speaking to the Father, praying to the Father. I've only come to do what my Father has asked me to do. 
I've not come to do what people want me to do. I've come to do what my father has asked me to do. How did he know what the father wanted him to do? He spent time in the presence of God. Man, more than ever, we just need to develop intimacy with God. What is the first and greatest commandment? Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Full stop. What is the greatest commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have. That's the greatest commandment. It's the only commandment. It's the most important one out of all the commandments in the Old Testament. The greatest and most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You develop intimacy with God, your life will never be the same again. You develop intimacy with God and you will not miss the will of God for your life. You can't miss the will of God for your life. You'll be going into the presence of God and God will speak and you'll know and you'll learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. God will speak to you. Develop intimacy with God. It's the greatest, it's the greatest, most important purpose that we can have in our life. It's Lord, I just, I just, I just want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. One prayer I pray every single day. Lord, I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I don't know what I just don't want to know the stories of the Old Testament. I want to know you, Lord God. I want to know you, Lord God. Paul prayed and, 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 and we talked about this last week. Paul prayed and he said, I, I, I want to know Christ. Man, oh, if there's someone who knew him, for goodness sake, it was the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul did incredible miracles, been to the third, fourth, fifth heaven, whichever one it was, it was one of the heavens and apparently there's a few. So, and he went, to, he, went, he went there, so incredible revelations. But in the midst of it, he's getting older in his life. One thing I want to do, I want to know him. I want to know Him. I want to know Christ. I want to know God. I want to know Him. It's the greatest thing that we can do. When someone meets with God, they're never the same again. And God's intent from the very beginning was that the church be a place where we meet with God. Second reason why we need the glory of God is because when God is present, miracles happen. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, I believe in miracles used to begin a show that she had, you know, a TV show that she had, I believe in miracles. I wonder, do we still believe in miracles today? I wonder, do we still believe that God could move with the miraculous today? I wonder, do we still believe it? First miracle that Jesus conducted was he turned water into wine. Jesus was at a wedding and the wine runs out. Jesus' mother tells him, he says, it's not my problem. So she says to the servants, do whatever he says. Jesus Jesus says, fill the jars with water. And Jesus turns the water into wine. Uh, Here at church, we have a policy that whenever we have um, church activities, um, it's no alcohol, it's just a policy that we have here at church. One time we were having a lunch guy goes to me, he says, listen, just be nice to have a glass of wine with the pastor, you know. Wasn't saying with me, with the pastor, you know. He was saying, <laughs> we're eating pastor. <laughs> so I said, listen, we provide the water. If you've got enough faith to turn it into wine, go for it. <laughs> you pray. If you turn it into wine, drink as much as you want. Jesus turns the water into wine. And look at what the Bible says. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs 
through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Jesus was present at the wedding. He was present there. He was, he was present at the wedding, but his glory was revealed when he turned the water into wine. More than ever, we need the glory of God to be present amongst his people. More than ever, we need the power of God. More than ever, we need to believe for the miraculous and the supernatural. We need to believe that the glory of God is going to be revealed. More than ever. I don't know if things are worse today than what they were like, you know, I don't know, 100 years ago. Or two. I don't know if the problems are worse today than they ever were. But, I, but it feels kind of that way. The challenges that people are facing seem to, be, seem to be worse. But in some ways, they're not worse. They're probably the same as they've ever been. But it's certainly, you know, some people are experiencing incredible challenges. And as a human being, I, th I think, I, I, don't, I don't know what you should do. I don't know. But I think that what we need more than ever is a, is a miracle. We need the supernatural power of God to be manifest. For some marriages, it's going to be a miracle that's going to heal them. For some families, it's going to be a miracle. I believe one of the problems of the modern church is that we've kind of, we've kind of settled for a rational faith. We've lost faith to believe for the miraculous. We're scared. We're afraid to believe for the miraculous because it might not happen. What happens, Pastor Joe, if we pray and, and nothing happens? What happens if we do pray and something does happen? Not only have we settled for a rational faith, the next step after that is we settle for a religious faith. After a rational faith comes a, a religious faith. This is where we settle for religious symbols, where we have our own liturgy, our own religious program, our religious songs, our religious talks, but there's no sense of God's presence. We think as long as we have the rhetoric or the symbols, we've got the presence of God. David McCulloch says in his book, The Trivialization of God, visit a church on Sunday morning and you'll not likely find much awe or sense of mystery, reverence and awe have often been replaced by a yawn of familiarity. It's boring. The consuming fire has been domesticated into a candle flame, adding a bit of religious atmosphere, perhaps, but not heat, no binding. No blinding light, no power for purification. More than ever, we need God to be present in our midst. We need the glory of God because there are people who work into church who need a miracle. Because there are people who need things, who are going through things, who need strength that only God can give them. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just come with your power. It's one of my prayers every time as, as we begin a service. Holy Spirit, just come. Just come. Just come with your glory. Come with your presence, Lord God. Come to save and heal and restore, revive, to redeem, to reveal, reveal truth. Come with the gifts of the Spirit because there are people in church who, who don't know what to do next. Some need a word of knowledge, a, a, a word of wisdom, a gift of healing. Just come with your spirit, oh God, and minister to your people how we need the glory of the Lord to be present in our churches. Can I hear an amen? amen. Thirdly, the reason why we need the glory of God is because it ought to be the distinguishing mark of the church. What was, it, what was it that made the people of Israel different to all the other people around them? It wasn't their strength or in their intelligence or their wealth. 
What made them different was they had the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. That's why Moses says, how will will anyone know that, that we are your people unless you come with us, Lord God? What will distinguish us from all the other people unless you are present with us? Well, Moses was saying the only thing that's going to make us different is your presence. Now, notice what Moses didn't say. He didn't say, Moses didn't say, our buildings will distinguish us, the quality of our music, our light shows, our preaching will distinguish us. The only thing that makes us different is your presence. And Lord, don't, don't, don't take away your presence from us. I love, the, I love uh, Psalm 51. David had, uh, had sinned against God. You know the story with Bathsheba and so on and so on. Psalm 51 is, a, is just a great psalm where he confesses his sin to God and and, and I, I just love in the midst of that, he says, he says, take not thy, thy presence from, from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David was a, was a king. He doesn't say, don't take my position away from me. Don't take my wealth away from me. He says, take not thy presence away from me. Because the thing that we need more than anything else is his presence. The thing that's gonna make us different from every other organisation, from the soccer club and the cricket club and the, the, the other, all the other kind of community groups that are out there. It's the presence of God. Somewhere along the line, we've, we've lost the passion for the presence of God, for the glory of God. And as a church, I never want us to take it for granted. Pastor Joe, why do we start the year with a time of prayer and fasting? You've been doing this for years. Why? Because I want us to be reminded that above all else, what we need is the presence of God and the glory of God. If my people shall seek me and cry out to me, if my people shall turn from their wicked ways, cry out to me and seek, then then, then I'm gonna move. If my people, that's the people that belong to God, shall shall turn from their wicked ways, cry out to God, then God is going to move. And that's why we begin the year with prayer and fasting. It's a time for us to to go back to God, to to, to refocus and cry out to God and say, Lord, we need you. We need you. Another passage that describes the dedication of the temple, the Bible says all the Levites who were musicians, um, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in the linen and playing cymbals, harps and lyres and drums and guitars. And they were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets and the trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and said, He is good. His love endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now don't misunderstand me, I'm all for building. I love, I love everything that we have and I thank God for the worship and thank God that, for the word that's being preached. But what good is all of that if we don't have the presence of God and the glory of God? So this kind of brings us to ask another question, just a simple question which is, well, how can we experience the glory of God? How do, how do we experience God's glory? Well, just some simple thoughts here. First of all, we just, we just need to seek after the glory of God like Moses. It's pretty simple, really. Moses said, now, now, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. 
I, I pray that as a church, we're going we're gonna to always be a church that's going to seek after the glory and the presence of God. M Moses had an incredible encounter with God because he dared to ask. He dared to ask. Show me your glory, God. Let the glory of God be in this place. You know, we can pray that over our lives. Show me your glory, little God, in my life. We can pray it over our marriages. Sh show, me the, show me your glory, little God. We can, we can pray it over our families. Show me your glory, oh God. Bible tells the story about, uh, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but, but um, the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines and then they gave it back to the people of Israel and it went into one of the guy's homes, I forget his name, and, and it stayed there. The Bible says that because the Ark of the Covenant was in his home, his home was incredibly blessed. What, what do we need to be blessed in our marriages, in our families? Above all else, what we need is the, is the presence of God. It's the glory of God to be, to be present. Why is the glory of God present? It's because we dare to ask. Show me your glory, Lord. Because we've understood the power of the glory of God. We seek after God. I know that's not deep and I know that's not complicated and I know it's kind of simple, but you know what? I've always found that the, that the, the power of God's word, it's in its simplicity. And it's not in just the simplicity, it's actually doing it. Show us your glory, O oh God. Show us your glory, O oh God. What's the point of in 2022 going through and hearing another, you know, 50 sermons where, we, oh, that was amazing, just amazing, amazing, you know, stuff that you, what's the, what's, what's the point of being amazed and not being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? No, I, I'd, rather go, I'd rather go for the simple and be, and be amazed by the presence of God, be transformed by the presence of God. How do we get there? We seek after it. Number two, be a worshiper like Solomon. The Bible says King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were, were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The sacrifice of the sheep, that was Old Testament. Thank God we don't do that today. But uh, the sacrifice was a reflection of their passion for God. The Bible says King Solomon and the entire assembly of, of, of Israel, they, they sacrificed so many sheep and cattle that they couldn't be recorded or counted. It was a reflection of their, it was a reflection of their, of their passion for, for worship and for God. And then the Bible says the glory of God came. I wonder, are we, are we passionate about the things of God? How passionate are we for the things of God? Are, 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 we, are, we, are, we, are we passionate about seeing the glory of God? Are we passionate about worship? And even in the singing, although the singing is part of our worship, it is not the, oh, not that song again. Oh, man, I hate that song, you know. Do we, do we, do we love the house of God? Do we get here 10 minutes early or, or 10 minutes late? You know, No one this morning. Everyone was early this morning. It's amazing. Incredible. Do we have a passion for the things of God? And thirdly, we need to collectively take responsibility for the glory of God. You know the scripture, Jesus goes to his hometown and he couldn't do any miracles because there was no faith in the people. That's, that's a really interesting scripture because Jesus was present but he could not do any miracles because there was no faith in the people. That scripture challenges me all the time. 
We need to be careful that we don't separate the clergy from the congregation. See, now in the modern church, and you know, the church has developed so well, and thank God, we, we as a church are so blessed. We have staff where, you know, we're able to do things during the week. It's just amazing. It's fantastic. It's great. One of the, one of the, one of the negatives of that is that the, the congregation said, well, we've got the professionals here. Let them worry about bringing the presence of God. We've got the professionals here. Let them pray during the week. Let them study the Word during the week, and, and we'll see what they've got to offer on Sunday morning. And that kind of mentality is, is, goes, goes against everything that the Scripture says. We are the body of Christ. That means every one of us is part of the body of Christ and everyone is a, is a necessary part of it. Here, here, was, here was Jesus in their midst. Jesus was right there. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the Son of God was right there among, but he could not do any miracles because there was no faith in the people. My prayer is, listen here, church, my prayer, and I, and I get it all, by the way, I understand. I've been where you are, so I know, I know what, it, what, what, what it's like to be there. But, but, but I'm praying that we would all take responsibility for the glory of God. In other words, the, the, the temperature of God's glory in our midst is not, is not uh, some one individual's responsibility or the leader. It's our responsibility as a church. That each of us should take responsibility for the presence of God and the glory of God in our midst. And as, as we do that, I, I, I believe we will, we will see God move in a powerful way. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you as a church to begin to pray, oh God, just come with your presence, oh God. Begin to pray for the church every single day. That's what this week is about. But not just this week, every single time. Let's pray for the church. God, we need your glory. It's, it's, that's something I pray for every single time. I pray for the presence of God. I pray that God would move amongst us. I pray, sometimes I come, you know, on a Saturday night, I come, I pray for every seat, that every seat would experience the presence of God and the power of God and the glory of God. I'm praying and believing for that. But what would happen if all of us start to pray like that? What, what, what would happen if all of us started to begin to believe and pray that the glory of God and the presence of God would come amongst us? What would happen? Jesus could do no miracles because there was no faith. Let me, let me, let me explain. Even if Jesus, people say, well, Pastor Joe, the reason why we're not seeing a lot of stuff is we don't want to, you know, throw you under the bus. But, you know, even if Jesus was here, if Jesus was here preaching and there was no faith in us, nothing would happen. What makes the difference is faith in God's people. So come on, church. I want to encourage you. Come on, church. I want to encourage you to begin to pray. I want to encourage you to begin, take responsibility for the glory of God, for the presence of God in the midst of the house of God. Take responsibility for the presence of God. Begin to pray and cry out to God and seek after God. You know, if you can, once a week, why don't you fast a couple of meals, pray for the church, believe that God's glory is going to come amongst us. Begin to pray every day. Lord, we, we, we want to see your presence. And finally, it's by the grace of God. We experience the glory of God and the, by the grace of God. Can't create the wave, but we can position ourselves to ride the wave when it comes. Time to time, I've done a bit of boogie boarding. Can't create the wave, but you can ride the wave when it comes. We, 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 
We, we can't demand the glory of God. We can't demand the presence of God. But what we can do is position ourselves so when the glory of God comes, we can recognize it and, and, and ride the wave of God's glory amongst us. How did the church begin in the book of Acts? Started in a prayer meeting. Started in a prayer meeting. Group of people who were waiting, who were waiting on the Lord. And they were praying. They were meeting in a house and they began to cry out to God. Not just for one day, not just for two days, three days, four days. They, they were waiting. And then as they cried out to God, the, by Acts chapter 2, and then the glory of the Lord appeared and filled the whole house. You know, this is not just something that happens in Bible times. It's also happened in history. It was in 1906 and William Seymour, an African-American pastor, was leading a small prayer group and he announced the 10-day time of prayer and fasting. Uh, this is where the Pentecostal church was, was kind of birthed. Many of you have heard the name William Seymour before. And so he's, uh, he's got an interesting background. We might look at it sometime. And, and, you know, he's leading a small group, by the way. It's like a house group, a life group. And he, he announces a 10-day time of prayer and fasting. On the way to one of these meetings, one of the guys that asked for prayer, he was sick. And so he, he stops and he prays for him and the man was instantly healed. Not only was he healed, but he asked to be prayed for that he would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so as uh, William Seymour prayed for him, he was also baptised in the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled him. And this little group that had gathered, word got around that God was moving and people would gather at this house. And uh, so much so they had a porch at the front and uh, the porch collapsed because there were so many people that were gathering. So anyway, they moved from this house, they moved uh, to an old building in Azusa Street. Many of you have heard of that. And um, it was this old building and, and this group of people that were in part of this home, they, uh, they uh, kind of renovated the place. Uh, the pulpit was made of two boxes nailed together and, and pews were made from planks nailed to empty barrels. Um, Seymour made his home on the, on the floor above the church and began holding services three times a day, seven days a week. And... Thousands and thousands and thousands of people came as God began to move in an amazing and a powerful way. Um, Seymour would spend a lot of his time in prayer and fasting, uh, going on uh, to be known as a man of uncommon prayfulness. Uh, this revival was so powerful, it caught the attention of the, the media. And here's how a newspaper described his role as in Seymour, the leader. Their preacher, Seymour, stays on his knees much of the time with his head hidden between the wooden milk crates. He doesn't talk very much, but at times he can be heard shouting, repent, and he's supposed to be running the thing, <laughs> they said. He, he would, the pulpit was two crates, and he would kneel down, put his head in one of the crates, and be praying as they're holding the services. And this was the beginning of a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit that impacted the world so much so that we've kind of come out of what happened back there over a hundred years ago. 
breakthrough at Azusa Street clearly wasn't the result of great preaching or marketing, financial backing, organisational abilities, blah, blah, blah. Instead, the secret of Azusa Street Revival was simply prayer. A group of people that began to pray and to seek after God. Would you stand with me? Why do we need the glory of God? Is it because we want to see manifestations of the Holy Spirit? That's part of it, but it's not just about the seeing. We need the glory of God because this nation needs Jesus. This nation needs, it doesn't doesn't need a better vaccine. This nation needs Jesus. We don't need better politicians. We need Jesus. How's it going to happen? It's going to happen when a church begins to understand how important this is. God is looking for a people who will hunger and seek after the presence of God. Like, like William Seymour, people that are willing to just pray and cry out to God and seek God. Maybe there are people here today that need the manifest presence of God. All we can do is ask. Show me your glory. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come with your power to heal, to restore, to revive, to redeem, to reveal. Come with your gifts because there's people in this room. Don't know what to do next. But we we just need you, Lord God above all else to move in our midst I'm going to sing a song just to sing a quick chorus and then we're going to pray together as a church come on let's worship Jesus together thank you Jesus just put your hand on your heart if you have a need this morning you need to experience the glory and the presence of God in your life come on let's just believe that God's presence is going to come amongst us in Jesus name oh Father how we need you Lord God how we need you Lord God how we need you Lord God how we need you, Lord God. Oh, we need you, Father, above all else, Lord God. And so, Father, we just pray, just as your glory was revealed in that first miracle, turning water into wine, Lord God, I just pray that you would manifest your glory amongst us even today, those watching online. We need you. Above all else, we need you, Lord God. So just come by your Spirit, Lord God. Come and minister, Lord God, I pray. So we don't know what else to do, where else to go, but we come to you, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that there would be a heart for you in this church, Lord God, that there would be a passion for your presence, that there would be a desire, Lord God, to seek your face like never before. That in these uncertain times, Lord God, where darkness seems to be covering the earth, that we would experience the glory of God in our midst the presence of God amongst us. This is our prayer. And we thank you for what you're going to do amongst us. We bind every doubt, every fear, every anxiety. We come against it in Jesus' name. Release your spirit and presence amongst us. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you this week. Come on. Amen. I want to encourage you this week. Get involved with the prayer and fasting in some way. Uh, Come on, let's take this seriously. 
um, let's, let's put some side, time aside and really begin to seek after God and see God move amongst us in a powerful way. God bless you. Have a great week, we pray in Jesus' name.